0: Take your Bibles with me, please, and turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I'm excited today about the Word of God we're going to look at this morning. John chapter 1. I pray the Lord richly blesses you. Now, we had finished, we're in a series of John, and we had finished uh, all the way up to verse 51, but we wanted to slow down and relook at these words. We really didn't deal with the last three verses of John chapter 1. But look at verse 49. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we take this time, Father, to stop our minds, our thoughts, whatever may be distracting. We take this solemn time and with all our heart to focus upon your word, upon you speaking to us in our hearts and our minds. Father, we pray that your spirit go out and it will do your work and your will. We'll bring you all glory. Father, as we Look into your word and present Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So what is he saying? That's going to be a question that we're going to look at. Now, in context, we know that Jesus is calling his disciples. He had called Andrew, he called John, he called Philip, he called Simon, Peter, and he's calling Nathaniel. This is at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. And something that going forward we really need to do is weigh heavily the exact words of what Jesus says. I mean, no word that he says should not be taken uh, at the utmost seriousness. So, what, is he, what do we find here? We find that they have found the Lamb of God in verse 43. Philip, uh, he found Philip, and Jesus said, Come or follow me. And in verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did right. Jesus is Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, can, any, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said unto him, Come and see. So we see Jesus early on before in his ministry starts collecting, starts bringing his disciples unto him. And then verse 47, we all know, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou was under the fig tree, I saw thee. Now we dealt with this last week, and you can certainly go back and And find that recording online of us dealing with these verses specifically. But for the context, we see that Jesus had seen Nathanael. Nathanael is shocked for Jesus knew Nathanael's heart and he knew his circumstances. We're not told what Nathanael was doing under the fig tree. Only Jesus and Nathanael know that. Verse 49, Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. And then that's when Jesus said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou, thou shalt see greater things than these. So at the end of of chapter 1, we see Jesus make a reference in verse 51. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So we want to deal with that verse primarily this morning. So what is it saying? What is it saying here? Jesus is saying there are going to be further and bigger miracles to come. And then, again, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. That all these miracle signs and wonders are going to validate Jesus' claims. That he tells Nathaniel, if you thought that is seeing the glory of God, the glory of the Son, and this little tiny thing, if you believe, just wait. We're just getting started. There's going to be, there's going to be glory to come. That we're going to see the fullness. And remember the intention of John was to write. He was a, the bare witness of the glory of Jesus Christ, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And so Jesus is saying, if if you think that is something, wait till you see the glory of the Son of Man really come out in this ministry. And, you know, I got to thinking about that. We we know that Nathaniel said, I believe who you are But Jesus says, just wait. The best is yet to come you're going to see a whole lot more glory. Aren't you glad this morning, if you're saved today, when you came to repentance and faith and the Lord saved you, that that was just the beginning. That was the beginning of seeing the glory of God in your life every day. The glory of Jesus showing you his glory every day of your life. I mean, he's going to show you his glory in your death. He's going to show you his glory in the resurrection. He's going to show you the glory when you are absent from your body and present with the Lord. Just wait. Well, that, that, that Jesus has saved us, but there's a lot more to see. Oh, isn't and, and that wonderful? Now, what does it mean? We talked about what it says. Jesus says, just wait, there's more to come. Now, what does it mean? Well, There is a literal, of course, we spoke about that last week. Jesus deals with multiple levels of conversation. He can talk about physical things, and it will make sense. Those just have physical ears. And then underneath that physical thing, he just said, there will be a spiritual truth. And so I believe that there is a spiritual truth here, which he is teaching about the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Well, first of all, if we look at it literally... Heaven does open in verse 51. We see literal times that this happens. Uh, Stephen saw a vision of heaven opening when he was being stoned, and he saw the Son of God on the right hand, standing on the right hand. We saw Paul's encounter on the road to Damascus, the heaven opened, and Barnabas later said that uh, Paul didn't just hear Jesus, he saw him too. Peter, in a vision... On the rooftop, remember, heaven's open, and God let down a sheet. Heaven's open. And John in Revelation, chapter 19, says, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was faithful and true. But I I don't think that Jesus is talking literally here in verse 51 about the heavens opening and them seeing the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. I believe that these have spiritual application. I believe Jesus is calling out a reference to what happened to Jacob. Jacob's ladder. Just turn with me to Genesis chapter 28. Keep your hands here. We're going to come right back. Genesis chapter 28. Now to give you some context before you get... At, Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. Jacob had just received the blessing from Isaac. And I remember this was the Abraham's blessing. Abraham blessed Isaac, or God gave a promise to Abraham, and thy seed, that they shall be, Isaac shall be called. And so uh, Abraham handed down the blessing to Isaac, and Isaac handed down the, the blessing to Jacob. And so now we see uh, Isaac had just commanded Jacob to go, he go find yourself a wife from the land of Pandanaram, and uh, of a heron, And now we see Jacob out on his own. His brother's furious with him. Esau is upset with Jacob. But now Jacob's out for the first time. He's left home. He's out by himself, and he is all alone. He's all alone, and he's afraid. But look what happens as he goes to, to rest. In chapter 28, verse 11... And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night, because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place asleep. sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascended and descending upon it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land where, uh, whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And, they shall, and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, to the north, to the south. And in thee, and in thy seed, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places, whether thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Now, why did God give Jacob this vision of a ladder with the angels going up and down it? Well, God tells Jacob exactly what this is. It's a picture. Verse 15, what's the picture of? The presence of God with Jacob. You're not alone. You may feel alone. You may be afraid. But God is faithful. God is with you. And that's what he says. I am with thee in verse 15. That's what it all means. I'm with thee and will keep thee in all the places whether thou goest. And will bring thee again into this land for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken of or to thee of. And Jacob awaked. Out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? That this is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows, and he set up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first. Bethel means the house of God. All right, so turn back with me to John chapter 1. So Jesus is referring to Jacob's ladder in verse 51. And we're going to look at this. First of all, what are some two observations that we can make between the two passages we looked at? We saw the account in Genesis, and now we see the account which Jesus gives. Let's read it again. Chapter 1, verse 51. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The first thing we notice is we are not told what the angels were doing in either of these passages. It does not describe to us why the angels were going up and down the ladder. Does an angel need a ladder to get back up into heaven? Now, I don't believe that the story is about the angels. I believe the angels are also another picture of the way God interacts with us and the way we interact with God. That there is the angels, the angels are picturing God's blessings, the, the interaction which he has, the faithfulness which he has to us. He's not afar off, like Brother Jeremy said. He's near. Now, secondly... Notice that in, chapter, in Genesis chapter 28, when it's talking about Jacob, it mentions a ladder. But is a ladder mentioned here in verse 51? No. There is no ladder. It says that the angels of God would be ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Christ himself is a ladder. He is calling himself the Jacob's ladder. He, Jesus right here doesn't even mention the ladder. He is calling himself the latter and the means of fellowship that we have with God and God has with us is Jesus Christ and him alone. Now, the importance of this revelation that Jesus gives Nathaniel, he gives all his disciples. Think about this. This is the beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ and he is establishing very important truth to the disciples of who he is, who he came to be. Okay, so right here in verse 49, Nathanael's shocked at what Jesus' ability and his miracle to see him inside and out. Nathanael said, Thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Both those things are true, but what does Jesus reply? Nathanael, yes, but I'm much more. He's much more than the Son of God. He's also the Son of Man. And that's what he says of himself in verse fifty-one. He claims himself to be the son of God. Now think about how important that statement is. Jesus is stating that he is the seed of the woman from Genesis chapter three fifteen, who would bruise and crush the head of Satan. Jesus is the one who has been prophesied over the last four thousand years uh, through the prophets, the laws, all those of the coming Messiah, the coming King, the coming Son of Man. And so we see that Jesus says in the end of verse 51 that these angels are descending and ascending upon the Son of Man. Notice he uses the definite article, the Son of Man. He's not a Son of Man. He is the Son of Man. There's been two men. When God created Adam, he was the only man. He was the only man in existence. He was the man. He wasn't a man. He was the man. But what happened? He squandered. He squandered our inheritance. He sinned against God. It was his will he wanted, not God's will. So he sinned, and we see that sin has went down, and all of us being born in Adam, we've inherited this sin nature. You know, it's so interesting. Uh, We see all of the technology and the innovation and the education and how man is trying to improve the world, improve the world. Year after year, they come out with this to improve the world. Do you see the world improving at all? We have an explanation of why the world is the way it is today. We have an explanation of why there's wickedness in the world. It's because Adam had sin and spiraled the whole human race into sin. Oh, we needed another representative of man. And that is the Son of Man. That is Jesus who he came to be. He came to be the representative of of humanity he's the son of humanity he's going to be a new human race after him the first son of humanity squandered our relationship the second son of humanity has come to restore it and that's jesus as a son of man jesus could uh, die for us on the cross and die a vicarious death man dying for my sins Jesus had to be human to die for me, a human. He had to be man. He couldn't go to the cross as an angel because an angel would not represent me. The angel cannot bear my punishment. But God had set up the innocent for the guilty all throughout the word of God. And so Jesus is the man. And he's also the son of man. He calls himself the son of man. Because of Daniel's reference in chapter 7 of Daniel, you don't have to churn there. Daniel says, there's one like the Son of Man who will come with clouds of heaven. Daniel seven thirteen says, I saw in the night visions. And behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given to him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that shall not be destroyed. Oh, aren't you thankful? The Lord, he has come as the son of man. He came to represent me on the cross as a man. He came to die a vicarious death. What that means is that he died in my place as if it were me who were being punished for my sins, but yet it was him he is the prophet. He is the one who has promised. Look, Nathaniel said, "Thou art the son of God." Yes, He is the Son of God. And heaven is his throne. And, he, and Nathaniel said, "Thou art the king of Israel. Yes, He is the king of Israel. Who would come? But he's also the Son of man. And according to Daniel chapter seven, he is the king of kings, not just the king of Israel, he's the king of all the world. Remember what John the Baptist said. He said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. What that means is all nations, all kindreds, all tongues, not just Israel. He's the Lamb of God. He's the King of all the world. And His dominion and His kingdom has come. This is the Son of Man. Oh, it's so important with the weight Jesus calls Himself. He claims that for Himself. That's who He is. Jesus is the true Jacob's ladder. Now, when you think about a ladder and Jacob's dream, that was access to God, wasn't it? And that was God's access down. Jesus doesn't mention the ladder. He mentions himself. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man can both unto the Father, but by him. Jesus is the only ladder to reach glory. Jesus is the only way. Now think about this with me. You know, a lot of people will be like, oh, I don't like the exclusivity of that statement. Well, think about what all Jesus did. Jesus is the only way. It's been proven over and over. First of all, Jesus was chosen by God to be the Savior. First Peter 2.4 says that, to whom coming is unto a living stone, disallowed of men, but chosen of God. He was precious. Jesus is the only one to have come from heaven and returned there. That's John 3.13. No man hath ascended up into heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is from heaven. Jesus is the only person who have ever lived a perfect life in Hebrews 4.15, that he was, pointed, he was tempted in all points like we are, but yet without sin. Jesus is the only one who qualified and who executed to be the sacrifice for sins. In Hebrews 10.10, 10, but the which well, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God. God. Hebrews 10. Jesus alone fulfilled all the law and the prophets, all that pointed to him. Remember, this 4,000 years, these prophets weren't all in one day. All the prophets were spanned across time. Jesus is the only man who's ever fulfilled all of those prophecies and has fulfilled all the law. Jesus is the only one who has conquered death. In Hebrews 2, 14, I love that passage. And if you're with us on Hebrews on Wednesday night, you know we go there often. He says this, For then as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, that word partakers is a different word. It means that it is by nature you are a partaker of flesh and blood because it's your nature. You are a partaker of the things of the flesh and blood because that's your nature. What, it, what happened? He also himself, Jesus, took Part of the same. And that means that Jesus, a different Greek word. That means that Jesus took part of flesh and blood, which was against his nature. He took upon us the form of a servant. He was in the form of God and thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Jesus is eternally God. That's his essence, his nature, who Jesus is. But he took upon himself the form that was against his nature. He took on flesh and blood. So what did he do after he did this? That through death, Jesus became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Through death, he might destroy them that have the power of death. Death did not belong to Jesus. Death was not something that Jesus would have to endure. He came down because he loved you and he endured it for you. And he conquered death. And it goes on to say, so that he might deliver them who through fear of death with all their lifetime, subject to bondage. Well, you you know, Jesus knows your fears. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our futility. He knows when you've gone for scans and you don't know the results and and Lord, you know my fear and it's the death, the fear of death, the things that are weighing on you. He took that fear away if you are one of his. Because if you look to him, You'll have peace. You'll have peace. He took it away. We have victory. Just victory in Jesus. My Savior forever. He's the only person. Jesus is the only person, man, who has taken away and conquered death. Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. There's no earthly priest. There's none of that. I go to God through Jesus Christ. He's the ladder. We don't have an earthly priest to get me to the ladder, to get me to Christ. Jesus is the ladder. Jesus is the way our access to heaven. He's the connector. It says in 1 Timothy 2 5, for there is one God and there's one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus is the only man that God has ever highly exalted. And gonna have a name above every name in Philippians 2 9, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that he is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. God is highly exalted, and that's the only man that God is highly exalted. Also, Jesus promised, and he's the only one who can do this, Jesus has promised that whoever believes in him will have eternal life, and they'll be saved. That's the only man who can do that. Jesus says, As Moses, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We cast our eyes upon Jesus. We look to him. Third, I want you to also notice, without this ladder, there would be no access to God. None. Ephesians 2.12, you don't have to turn there that at the time ye were without Christ. What did it mean to be without Christ, according to Ephesians 2.12? You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers from the covenants of God's promises. More importantly, you have having no hope. And without God in the world, without Christ, there is no hope. And you do not have God. Because he's the only ladder to God. He's the ladder. Without it, you have no access. There's no other way. Jesus says, I'm the only way. Unto the Father, but through him. So some people will say, you know, I hope I go to heaven. And I got thinking about that. And what is your hope based on? What if I were to tell you that God's thoughts, God's thoughts are not your thoughts, and God's ways are not your ways. Whatever logic you have come up with to base your hope of going to heaven in, you've based it on your own logic and your own thoughts. But God's thoughts are not your thoughts, and his ways are not your ways. He says that in Isaiah, as high as the heavens is above the earth, His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. What's the word of God say about hope? How can we hope that we're going to heaven? The the hymnal that I love, and that's the reason we still sing hymns, because of the truth that's within the hymns. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. It's not a hope that I have that God's going to intrinsically see that I've got. You know, as we said in Sunday school, a lot of people believe that yeah, I do wrong, but I got a good heart. Well, what does Jesus say about the heart? Out of the heart proceeds fornication, adulteries, evil thoughts, evil speaking. When when they, when they were trying, when they were eating without washing their hands. And they were saying, "Hey, it's defiling what, what's going in the mouth." Jesus says, "No, it's what comes out of the mouth, that defiles a man. What comes out of the mouth? Your heart. What leads your steps, your heart. What determines your desires, your heart? Jesus says that the heart, or the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? But we see Jesus. Or Peter had said, we've been begotten again into a lively hope. Oh, the hope that we have in Christ Jesus in Romans chapter 5. If you were to have any kind of hope to go to glory, Romans chapter 5 says this. Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him, through Jesus. He's the means. He's the connection. He's the way. He's the way to be in the presence of God. He's our reconciliation. He's our go-between. He's our adaisement. We're justified by His blood, by His sacrifice, and His good, His work. The person and the work of Jesus Christ, of all the value, salvation, the glory, all eyes, even history looks to His effect that He had upon the cross, the accomplished work of Him, all since day one. Genesis chapter 3 says he's going to crush the head of Satan and that your seed will have enmity with the seed of Satan. And we see this all through time. But we see that Romans chapter 5 says this is the real hope. It's the hope which God gives us in the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Once you have repented of your sins, God opens your eyes, you see you've sinned against God, and in, before him you stand condemned... You've got nowhere to hide, nowhere to go. God knows your heart. He knows the intents of your heart. He knows what you haven't thought yet. He knows you more than you know yourself. There's no, you're naked in front of him, as Hebrews said. All things are exposed before him. So then you say, Lord, you, you got me. You got me. Uh, one preacher said that repentance is you and God taking sides against yourself. That's repentance. Lord, you know I've sinned against you. You know I've sinned against you. But the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, we come in faith to Jesus Christ, and we look upon him, and Jesus promised that if you look upon him, you will be saved. If you call upon him, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You've surrendered all your pride, you've surrendered all those things, and you look upon him only as your ladder. To God. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Without the ladder, there's no presence of God. There's no access to God. But Jesus is that ladder. He's the go-between. He's the daysman. Real quick, not only. Is Jesus the latter? Not only does Jesus say that he is the son of man, he has come to represent, to bring us to God. I mean, he brings us to God as the latter, and he brings God to us because he is God himself. He's the reconciliation. He's the one who has spanned the gulf that was between us and God. But in, in, if you notice, if you remember with Jacob, we don't have to turn back there, but with Jacob, he called the place Bethel because here is the presence of God. Jesus is not just the latter, but he's the Bethel. He's the real presence of God. God in these last days and in various ways he has spoken unto in the past, he's spoken to us through different means, but in these last days he has spoken to us through His Son. God is not talking through natural things anymore. Jacob put a physical place. he said, "You know what? This is the house of God? Because the presence of God was here. The presence of God is not found in any geographical location on the map today. You cannot go to the holy sepulchre and there find the presence of God. You cannot go to the wailing wall and there find the the presence of God. The presence of God, like like you used to be able to in the Old Testament, Jacob put that stone there and called it the house of God because there was the presence of God. But now we see Jesus is the Bethel. Jesus is the very presence of God. And he only dwells with him. Oh, if you want the presence of God, we go to him. Jesus is not only the Bethel, the presence of God, but he's our resting place. Just as the resting place was there Jacob. Jesus was saying to Nathaniel, if you're going to follow me, follow me, and you're going to see much more glory. In chapter 2, we see his first miracle. We're going to look at that next time, Lord willing. And he's right. There's going to be a lot more glory to follow. But Jesus is also saying he's the latter. It's an interesting way. I mean, it's an interesting thing. At the very beginning of his ministry, he establishes this, this point. Not only am I the son of God, not only is he the king of Israel, but he's the son of man who would come to take away the sins of all the world. And that what God promised Jacob? All the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Jesus is saying in this verse, he has taken out the ladder and he's made himself the ladder of Jacob's dream. He is the link between God and man. Both upward and downward. He is the only way. Without him, you have no way. Without him, there is no way. You have a gulf that spanned between you and God. You're separated by your sins. But through Jesus Christ, who came to be the sacrificial lamb of God, he was all God and all man. He became both. So he could bridge between us. Do you see yourself today? Do you need Jesus Christ as your savior? The glory of Jesus alone is our way to heaven. The hope of heaven is in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The Bible makes that plain. There's no other way unto the Father. There's no other way to be saved except through Jesus. And he makes that plain right here. Very important words. When he says, verily, verily, I say unto you. What that means is truly, truly. Or amen, amen. Most of the time in the Old Testament you saw amen come after the prayer. Jesus puts it before his statement. This is true. That he is the way. He is the only way. He is the ladder of Jacob's dream. He calls all men and women today to repent and believe upon him and be saved. I pray that you're saved today. I pray that you know the Lord Jesus is your personal Savior. There's no salvation in any other name because his is the only name given under heaven whereby ye must be saved. I pray that you have that peace today. And if not, I pray that the Lord works and deals in your heart where you may see the preciousness and the glory of Jesus Christ let's pray Heavenly Father thank you for this day Father thank you for your mercy thank you for revealing your glory to us Father we were not seeking you you sought us and only did you save us restore us and bring us to yourself oh the glory which you show us day by day and the glory to come father which we feel bubbling in our souls we know that you have defeated the grave you defeated all things father may your spirit and by your power work in the hearts and minds of people where they may see your glory and we will give you all the praise and the glory in jesus name amen